But for today, on this first podcast, I think it's oh so fitting to share with you one of the most important lessons I ever learned in my entire life. I'm pushing 38 years old. You figure over 20 plus years of working experience combined with high school, middle school, what have you. I've encountered a lot of people. I've been fortunate enough to spend time with some extremely intelligent and successful business people. Some with amazing degrees, others with just decades of experience. With all that considered, the greatest lesson I ever learned came from my dad. I'm going to have to ask him after this episode just what year it was he dropped out of school, but I feel like he told me it was somewhere around the second to fifth grade. I don't really recall. But what I'm telling you is when I stack his level of education up with some of the people I've received advice from, there really truly is no comparison. This goes to show and is one of the many reasons why I do not give a fuck about your college education. I will take life skills over pretend skills any day of the week. Let me tell you something. Everybody's struggling. The difference is some people choose to go through it and some choose to grow through it. The choice is completely yours. Which one you choose will have a very profound effect on the way you live your life. The question is, do you have what it takes to bet on yourself? Anything worth doing is worth dominating. You need to be fired up about your story. Get jacked up about that rise and the fall and tell yourself it's the climb that's mine. Find satisfaction in small victories. What is up, everybody? Welcome to my very first episode on the podcast, Share in the Struggle. Now, I want to thank those of you that pushed me into doing this podcast. With that said, if this absolutely royally blows, I am going to blame some of my closest friends and family. So, there's that. Good luck sleeping, living with that on your conscience. If this sucks, and I dedicated months of research, time, and effort into launching this bad boy. I'm just fucking with you. I, I don't mean that. I do not mean that. Life's about ups and downs and failures and taking chances. And if you don't take a chance, then you'll just sit home shitting your pants. Right? That was some redneck wisdom for you. I probably should caution you right now that I will throw out quite a few bits of redneck knowledge throughout these podcasts. Now, redneck knowledge might include, well, let me scratch that. Let me take might out of that because it'll certainly include some profanity. So if you are easily offended uh, by fucks and trucks and ducks, then this podcast might not be for you. And here I am already limiting my listening network. But it wouldn't be me if I wasn't true to myself and didn't limit myself or my vocabulary. Now, my vocabulary is more Red Fox than it is Webster, okay? Now that we have the Montel Williams portion of the show taken care of, the disclaimer and public service announcements, let's get into the fact of why I'm actually doing a podcast, other than some special requests. So, first, here's the thing. I love podcasts. They're absolutely critical in my day and how successful my day is going to be. If I can start the day off by filling my dome with some good positive knowledge and vibes, then I feel like I just hit the ground running. It's all downhill from there and I just start making magic happen, right? 
So I really, really hope that I can give you guys some nuggets to help get your day off and running as well. Now, other than my surefire obsession with podcasts and all forms of audio knowledge, YouTube, Audible, etc., I actually have another more selfish reason for why I'm doing a podcast. And no, it's not what some people might think of crazy internet fame, where chicks are going to drive by in convertibles, flashing you their knipples. Dudes are going to be throwing money at you, wanting to be you. No! I already live that. I'm just fucking with you. I definitely don't live that. And that is not in any way the goal I'm looking to attain from this podcast. And if it was, I don't really think podcasting would be the way to go about achieving said fame. Now, there really is another selfish motive behind this podcast. And what it is, is feeling appreciated and feeling like you made a difference in somebody's day. Now, let me explain that just a little bit. In a previous life, aka my last job slash career, I had a prominent position. Over the course of 10 years, blood, sweat, tears, and many beers, I busted my ass, had my balls, and I worked my way up from being a sales consultant to being a partner at a Harley-Davidson dealership. Now, along the way, I made countless amounts of fulfilling relationships, and I was able to help people achieve dreams every day. I remember as a kid longing to own a Harley-Davidson growing up in that lifestyle and that culture and everything that it meant. So later on in life, when I was able to help people achieve that dream, it truly is electrifying. It makes the hair stand up on your arm in between shavings. Yeah, okay, that's it. My confession right there. I shaved my arms. It's out. You guys, everybody knows it. But for those of you that don't know me, I got two sleeve tattoos. And if I'm just going to let my babushman instincts overtake my skin here, you wouldn't even know what lied beneath the blanket of hair. So I shaved my arms. Confession number one. I'm three minutes into a podcast, and I've already confessed to the world that I shaved my arms. Anywho, back to what I was saying. I had a fantastic fucking job. I helped people achieve dreams. I made amazing relationships. I loved what I did just about every single day. More importantly than what I did, it was who I did it with. And those relationships and connections that I made, the bonds that were formed, things that dollars and cents can't take away, things that can't be replaced. It was those relationships that fostered amazing conversations that really truly made my day. Now, let me elaborate on that a little bit for you. Just about every day of the week, at least one person would pull me aside for a conversation, sometimes work-related, sometimes home-related, either a challenge you're facing, a decision that was made by a spouse or by a colleague or manager, whatever it might be, somebody would come to me looking to vent and looking for advice. Now, it doesn't matter. To me, there's one fundamental in handling both of these situations. And it comes down to the fact that people want to be heard. So it's your responsibility to sit, to listen, to read, to react. Now, the first part is the most important part. Listen. You need to listen. You don't get the right to read and react until you listen properly. People don't want to be talked to. That's why they're coming to you in the first place. They're facing a challenge. They're facing an issue. 
where they don't feel appreciated, or maybe they're not feeling that their side of the story, their opinion, their thought, their idea was ever considered, or that it actually mattered. So what you need to do is to actually listen to what it is they're saying. Earn the permission to move to the next step. That's what I'm referring to when I say read and react. When I'm listening and I'm earning permission to move to the next step, when I say read, I'm looking to read the conversation, read the person before I react and engage in opinions or in advice. What is it they're actually looking for? Are they just coming in here to vent and I'm going to do more harm than good by actually opening my damn mouth where I should just sit back and listen? Trust me, in my time, I've taken many ass chewings that I truly didn't deserve. But I was just a face in a place. They showed up took a big old steamy dump on my chest, and rolled out happy. Okay? I know. That sounds really attractive, right? Well, that's fucking management for you. But let me tell you this. Often those conversations would end with, hey man, I'm sorry I came in here and just freaked out all over you. Thank you so much for listening to me. People want to be heard. Now, thankfully, most of the situations weren't just a big steamy dump on the chest. They wanted to sit down, they wanted to be heard, but they were looking for some advice. They were looking for something more. Maybe a little insight, maybe a different approach. So that's what I mean when I say read. I'm reading the situation. What are they looking for from me? Are they just looking to vent? Are they looking for some advice? Do they need tough love? Do you need to kick them in the teeth with honesty here? Do you need that sympathetic shoulder? Now listen to me here. I give the same fucking advice every time. I give the truth and I give what I know. But to me, when I'm reading the situation and what that person needs, I'm trying to decide which approach do I deliver the shit sandwich. Some people just need the conversation handled. They need you to take control and just tell them the way it is, whether they like it or not. Other people want to go for a long walk on the beach and feel appreciated. But if you don't read that person and you don't figure out what it is that's important to them and what it is that they need from you, then they're never really truly going to embrace or even use the information that you're about to give. So my approach, listen, read, react. I'm going to take it all in. I'm not going to talk over you. You're going to tell me what it is that you're looking for. I'm going to read the room here and use my best judgment on which way can I respond and give you the most help possible. That's when I react. That's when I give you my information. Now, what I've noticed over the years, I find the most success when I can relate to the person I'm trying to educate. I listen to what you have to say. I read just what it is or what approach might work best for you in this situation. Then I react with my information and my knowledge. And as I react, I am desperately trying to relate to you and your current situation and your position and how you're feeling. If I just come at you with the old granddad approach that says, well, in my day, I walked up a hill both ways to school barefoot over a bed of hot coals. If I was lucky at lunchtime, I had a sugar packet. Nah, see, that's, that's, that's complete horseshit. Thanks, Grandpa. Listen, read, react, relate. And the most successful way to relate to somebody is to share a story. Hopefully, 
You've lived a fulfilling fucking life with some actual excitement. You got off the couch more than twice in your lifetime, and you've done some cool shit, and you've also failed miserably. You've got wins, losses, and fuck-ups all the way in between. And that's really what it's about. If you're coming to me and you're feeling like shit, whatever it is, whatever degree of shit we're talking about here, bottom of the shoe shit where I'm depressed and I'm in a hole, or I just fell in a bucket of shit, which is someone's rubbing something in my face and just pissing me off, they're both shit sandwiches. If I read and I react properly and I can relate to you because I myself have eaten many a shit sandwiches, you don't go over 300 pounds saying no to shit sandwiches. And that's currently where I'm at. Confession number two of this podcast is I'm running a little heavy, a little over my fighting weight. If you failed enough in life and you succeeded enough in life, in between there, there's a journey that you can pull from and relate to people and share experiences and help them grow and help them learn. And if I was just that big old vent cushion where you were able to come to me and tell me how you were feeling and walk out of the room feeling better, then great, fantastic. But if I could truly bring some value and not just absorb your energy, but return some positive energy and maybe some knowledge for you to walk out with with a smile on your face, then I really, truly have done my job. Listen, read, react, relate. If we can have a conversation where I can say to you, this is how I fucked up, this is how I handled it, this is how I got better. I enjoyed that in my 10 years, but I never really truly knew just how much I enjoy those conversations. You know the old saying, you don't appreciate it until it's gone. I worked in one place for 10 years. I left that place nine months ago. Over the course of nine months, I've probably had a handful of those conversations with those same people. So I went from the daily conversation to less than monthly. I am currently getting my man period more often than I'm getting those fundamental conversations with those people that I spent 10 plus hours a day with for a fourth of my life. So when you remove those things, you start to realize just how important it is and how much you miss. Now, don't get me wrong. I still have those conversations. Me and my wife pride ourselves on open, honest, true conversations. I'm the same way with my mother, my father. So I continue to have these conversations. And I have people in my life, friends, that will come to me for advice because they know I'm going to listen to them. I'm going to hear them out and I'm going to feed them the truth. So I do still get to have some of those conversations, but I just miss the fucking amount of them I was able to have. Selfishly, you can ride this euphoric high of knowing you made a difference in somebody's life. I realized nine months after a 10-year career, it wasn't the dollars and the cents. It wasn't the iron, the motorcycles, the emotion, the feeling. It was the people and knowing that you made an impact on people. And I know I made that impact because of the amount of those people that are still in contact with me today. So because I truly enjoy feeling of knowing I made a positive impact on somebody. I decided to put my life out there, my life worth of stories, achievements, failures, fuck-ups, wins, losses, successes. I'm going to share all of those because if I can take my story and put it on the old worldwide web for anybody to hear and I can quite possibly make an impact on more people, then it's all fucking worth it.
So there you have it, folks. That is my selfish reason for a podcast. I truly enjoy feeling like I made a difference, like I had an impact on somebody. It's all about your legacy. The old saying, you can't take it with you when you're gone, right? You're not going to get buried with your money. You're not going to get buried in your sports car. Well, maybe that's a bad analogy. I guess you probably could, but what's really the point? What I'm trying to say is, it's all about the fucking legacy that you leave behind. When you are truly a good person, good things happen. And I live my life trying to be the best person I possibly can be. Trust me, I've been a dickhead many times in my life. And over the course of this podcast, we'll probably diagnose and examine some of those dickhead qualities. But truth be told, it's always best to just be nice. That is the thought process behind share in the struggle. Now, why do I say struggle? I'm not an arrogant dick that feels I got dealt the worst hand of cards anybody has ever played. That's not the truth. I was blessed by a fantastic family. I by no means claim to have outstruggled the person next to me. What I will say is that my life has given me a unique set of challenges. Those challenges are my struggle. It is in no way my intention to have a dick measuring contest over how big is my struggle compared to yours. Everybody struggles. And I've said it a million times. You can go through it or you can grow through it. Everybody struggles. Everybody's struggle is a unique set of challenges and opportunities for you to respond. You can dust yourself off, lace up your boots, and get back after it, or you can cry yourself to sleep. Occasionally, you might want to cry yourself to sleep, but then in the morning, lace those fucking boots up, and then get back after it. So this is about the struggles that you face in life, the decisions you make, how you read, how you react, and how you handle the hand that was dealt. Whether those struggles are self-induced or just the way it is, there is nuggets of knowledge in everybody's story and how everybody responds. Now, as we dig deeper and deeper over the course of time and we layer podcast upon podcast upon podcast, you will get to know who I am, where I've been, what I've achieved, and what I believe I will achieve. I will offer the occasional guest and you'll get the opportunity to learn about the struggles that they have faced and how they have overcome and what they have achieved. But for the time being, those of you that do not know me, my name is Keith Liberty. I was born and raised in the great state of Maine, a small town boy that has lived and is living a fairly successful life. Now, everybody measures success differently. For some people, it's about bank rolls, fast cars, fake tits, and Rolexes. Trust me when I tell you, there has been a large portion of my life where all I really cared about was keeping up with the Joneses. I wanted the latest, the greatest. I wanted to be known, be loved, and be idolized. My desire was always to walk into the room and feel like the baddest motherfucker in the place just arrived. If you told me I couldn't do it, I would prove to you that I could. I was obsessed with with possessions, how I looked, and how I thought people thought I looked. I was consumed by those things. I now live a much fuller, more appreciative life. A life where I truly appreciate the little things that are around me. Because when compared to what is important in life, the little things that are around me are far more important than the goals that I was trying to attain before. The meaningless possessions that I thought I needed to have. I care a hell of a lot less about what's in my bank 
bank account and more about who I'm spending my life with. See, I married my best friend. I spent a third of my life struggling with miserable relationships, pretending to be happy. When I truly made the commitment to focus on what was important and to cut the negativity out of my life and put those relationships behind me, I gave myself the opportunity to meet the woman of my dreams. We live a very happy, blessed life. We've just celebrated our fourth year anniversary. I'm recording this podcast as I look out over 10 acres of family land. I watch my horse grazing in the field. My two dogs are passed out on the couch. I'm not concerned about how much money I will make in the next 60 minutes. I'm not concerned about how much gets deposited into my account on Friday. If my shit is paid and I get to enjoy my family, then that is all the fuck I care about. Being happy, healthy, and honest, in my eyes, is far more successful than the latest and the greatest. Now, how I got to this place of peace has been a 30-plus year fucking dumpster fire and i look forward to sharing those fireside stories with you but for today on this first podcast i think it's oh so fitting to share with you one of the most important lessons i ever learned in my entire life i'm pushing 38 years old you figure over 20 plus years of working experience combined with high school, middle school, what have you. I've encountered a lot of people. I've been fortunate enough to spend time with some extremely intelligent and successful business people. Some with amazing degrees, others with just decades of experience. With all that considered, the greatest lesson I ever learned came from my dad. I'm going to have to ask him after this episode just what year it was he dropped out of school but I feel like he told me it was somewhere around the second to fifth grade I don't really recall but what I'm telling you is when I stack his level of education up with some of the people I've received advice from there really truly is no comparison this goes to show and is one of the many reasons why I do not give a fuck about your college education I will take life skills over pretend skills any day of the week. So let's go ahead and get into the story. So the year was 2000. Don't act like you're not impressed that I actually remember the year. Trust me, I will not remember the year for pretty much the rest of all the stories I tell you. The reason why I remember it was 2000 was kind of a cheat code. I just graduated high school. So I graduated high school and all of my friends are making the life decision to enroll in college. Everybody went to school except for your boy and one other friend of mine, but he kind of sort of went to school. See, my boy Ryan, he was smart on a different level. He decided he wasn't going to go to college he was going to head to the shipyard. For those of you that don't know, the shipyard around here, that means Portsmouth Naval Shipyard. He went there as apprentice right out of high school. He was more of the hands-on trades type of guy in school. Thankfully, we had an awesome vocational program. But he left high school and he went right to the shipyard as an apprentice. And his education was hands-on. That some bitch still works there today. Uh, so he just hit it his 20 years at the shipyard. So clearly, that was a great choice for him. My boy Dave, who was another one of my best friends, thankfully he went to school local, so we were able to stay together and continue to make bad decisions together. Now, my boy Dave didn't stay in school for years. Dave, I apologize, buddy. I'm not sure how long you went, if it was a year, two years, three years, whatever it was. He's paved a great life for himself, married a woman of his dreams, thanks to yours truly, 
Yes, I set them up and actually performed the damn service, but they are beyond happy with a beautiful, amazing family. Now, I'm not going to get into details on all my friends and what their life direction has turned out to be. I'm just giving you a little perspective because everybody else in the back of my mind that I can think of, they all fucking left for college. I'm the only one that didn't chase a trade, didn't go to school local, or didn't pack my stuff up and actually go to school. There was a couple reasons for that. Number one, I completely bombed my SATs. I don't recall what my score was, but I can tell you this much. My guidance counselor called me to the office, told me my SAT score. I was ecstatic. It was a fantastic score. The guidance counselor said to me, well, where do you want to go to school? Because with that score... You're going to have a pick of the litter. And at the time, I still had a real desire to continue playing football. So I started to really fantasize about a future of college football and where I might go and who I might become. Well, fast forward to about a day later when I'm getting paged back to the same guidance counselor's office only for that person to sit with me and say, I made a mistake. Those aren't your SAT scores. Yours are actually pretty shitty. I don't think she said shitty, but they were shitty. Now, imagine how many people I was bragging to about the scores I was given the day before that now I have to face and tell her about half of what I was told. Yeah, I know. Not cool, bro. Not cool. Now, that same guidance counselor that the previous day encouraged me to apply for all these fantastic schools and pushed me into fantasizing about a life of pro football looked me in the eyes and said, we might want to reconsider. You're not going to get into those schools. Pretty sweet, right? So I'm going to go ahead and put that in my cap as reason one why I didn't go to college. Now, reason two, I was just about an alcoholic. Now, let me dip into reason two. I got so caught up in being popular and being someone that all the girls wanted to date and all the boys wanted to be that I made myself completely depressed. I just couldn't do it. The girls weren't chasing me. As far as I could tell, no boys wanted to be me. I was pretty damn uncomfortable in my own skin. But I had two things going for me. I could beat your fucking ass. And I was a pretty funny dude. I realized the easier path to popularity was making people laugh. Thankfully, Chris Farley was super popular and was my role model at the time, my comedic inspiration, and I could nail Chris Farley impersonations. Excuse me, uh, you know where the weight room is? Yeah, I'll figure it out. That wasn't one of my best. I've got some great ones, but I'm telling you right now, the old decibel meter in your car will be going a little off the charts. I dig deep on them Farley impersonations. They get a little deep and a little bassy and a little loud. So I'll save them for you. Maybe another time. As I said, Chris Farley was a role model, and I think I took that approach a little too literal. Much like Chris, I found it easier to make fun of myself to get laughs and to make friends. So I began making fat jokes of myself and any other insult I could think of to get a smile, to get a laugh, to get some attention. Unfortunately, the laughter only lasts so long, and then I got to go home with those feelings. Because then you start trying to decide, are they laughing at me because I'm funny, or are they laughing at me because I'm right? I don't think many people had the balls to make fun of me, 
but everybody was willing to laugh along. Eventually, that started playing tricks on my own mind. I then suffered a knee injury that cost me most of my junior season of football. Now, the one thing I was excited about was taken away from me. That's when I turned to drink it. Just like my idol, Chris, I could really put down the booze. And then my jokes and my humor went off the charts when I was drinking. Bad decision after bad decision followed by bad decision. Although it gave me a great following of people, it really wasn't making me happy inside. See, that fame and popularity that I thought I wanted, I was actually achieving. Everybody loved me. I was the fucking funny guy. And I was a damn drinking machine. I was the life of the party. Shit, I was the party. If I was throwing a party, everybody wanted to be there. If you were throwing a party, you damn sure wanted me to be there. The more I partied, the more I drank, the longer I sat on the sidelines, the more depressed I got. It got so damn bad, there was a few days I actually drank during school. Some of my closest friends, it was hilarious. Hey, we just finished lunch. Liberty's on beard number eight. I was a fucking mess. I'll dig some more into some high school stories in later episodes. But right now, I just want to give you the important part. And the important part is I was so busy hiding my true feelings behind booze that I failed a few classes and I found myself academically ineligible for my senior year. That choice destroyed any ability of me getting play college football at a decent school. You then combine that with my dog shit SAT score, and I didn't have much of a chance. See, I knew the entire time my family wasn't going to pay for my college education, nor do I think that it should be their responsibility to pay for me to go to school. If I want to do something, I should be able to do it myself. So this whole time, my plan for college was to bust my ass on the field to earn scholarships to pay my way through college, but I just pissed all that away. So here I am, a high school party animal with no future. The more I lied to people and told them I'm just going to take a year off, the more depressed I got. I didn't have a plan for college this year, next year, the year after. I didn't have a direction for what I wanted to do with my life, nor did I have a desire to work at McDonald's or the gas station. I didn't know what the fuck to do. Well, after graduation, my mother and father gave me the greatest gift I have ever received. See, after I graduated, they sat me down and explained the gift they got me. They said, son, here's the deal. You're not going to college. Don't know what you want to do with your life, but we know you'll figure it out. And we know just like us, you're going to have to work for it. You're going to have to earn it. When you make the decision to go to work, that day you start working, You're going to work for the rest of your life. So the graduation present that we have for you is early retirement. You get a whole year to just relax and think about what you want to do. You can live at home. You don't have to pay rent. We're going to put food on the table. You do whatever it is that you want to do. Because when you make the decision that it's time to go to work, you're going to work every day for the rest of your life. Or till you're 65 and retire. Whatever. You understand what I'm saying. So that was my present. It was retirement, and it was great. I even had a buddy that his parents were going through a divorce. He lived on my lawn in a tent with me for a couple of months. I truly fully enjoyed it, as you could probably expect. But the one thing my parents didn't give me was spending money. So if I wanted any cash, I had to find a way to get it. 
Now, as long as I can remember growing up, my dad owned his own business. It was a demolition steel cutting business. Brutal, difficult work. My dad busted his ass every single day to make sure that we had anything and everything we needed. He was an amazing provider for our family. But my dad is also as rough and as harsh as he could possibly imagine. When I told you earlier, listen, read, react, relate, my dad doesn't give a fuck about that. His affectionate way of telling me to do something would go something kind of like this. Hey, cocksucker, I need some help over here. Now, he didn't really think I was a cocksucker. It was just an affectionate way of referring to me. But anyways, that's, that's how it is. So when I needed some spended money, I would go to work with my dad for a couple of days. Eventually, I got tired of just laying around the house and not having cash on the weekends to take my girlfriend anywhere. So I decided it was time to buck up and actually make some money. So I went to work with my dad full time. Confident that I was making a lot less money than my brothers that were working for my dad. But either way, I went to work. We traveled all over the state of Maine doing demolition jobs. My dad is amazing with a torch. He can cut anything, drop anything, build anything, make anything. He's a super, super talented dude. The fact that I possess no welding, no steel cutting ability whatsoever was probably a little discouraging to him. But what I did possess was a big wingspan and a strong back. I could carry anything. I could pick up anything. I could throw anything. I could move anything. So traditionally, I was delegated to manual labor. Occasionally, he would try to teach me something. I remember one time I was in northern Maine and there was this big tank that he was asking me to cut. He explained to me what I needed to do and I started cutting. The next thing you know, I noticed a few people coming out and chatting with my dad and they all turned and started watching me. It became clear my dad and those gentlemen were making fun of me. I put down the torch and stepped back. My straight line looked like I had Parkinson's. That thing was about as straight as a heartbeat. One of the guys yelled to my dad, Hey Art, you cut like that? My dad said, Only when I'm drinking. I was so damn embarrassed about that day. Now my dad's way of communicating revolves around key terms like asshole, dickhead, cocksucker, stupid, whatever else comes to mind. He also has a tendency to yell those terms at you, those affectionate terms. They have a tendency to get people's attention. As I told you before, I never had the greatest self-confidence. So affectionately being called cocksucker in the middle of a parking lot at a decibel that would rival Skid Row is kind of embarrassing but I would never talk back. I didn't argue. I saved all that till I got home when I bitched to my mom. Ma, I don't know how the fuck you do it. I can't work with this motherfucker. Caught me a cocksucker 35 times today. Pretty sure we were working next to a church. It was awful. I was miserable 24-7. But payday was nice. I gave my cash. I would do my thing until Monday. Then I'd get my ass back to work. Now, I worked for my dad for a few months, maybe close to a year, but the fondest memory... I have working with my dad was when he decided to take a job working inside a sewage treatment plant. Now, this sewage treatment plant, let me set the scene for you. For those of you in Maine, this sewage treatment plant was in Wells and it was pretty close to the beach. 
For those of you that don't live in Maine, it's a pretty sweet spot in our state. It's also a tourist bed, pretty high income area, right along the water. Now, being freshly out of high school, with my head on a swivel, checking out chicks in bikinis everywhere, it's a good spot. Unless you're working in a fucking sewage treatment plant. Now, if you haven't been in one of these plants, let me describe it to you. There's a little catwalk that goes down the middle. And to the sides, there are these big square cement tanks. Massive. Not good with distance and measurements, but uh, 20-something feet deep, probably. A couple of basketball hoops, okay? Inside of these big cement tanks are these huge slabs of metal that look like a big fan, like a big ceiling fan. Imagine each blade of the ceiling fan is like an 8 or a 10 foot tall slab of steel. These slabs of steel that make a big fan just sit in there and spin around. They just spin around paddling shit all day. Beating turds into submission. Now, our job was to cut those fan blades into sections with a torch and then haul them out with a wench and then carry them down the old catwalk outside into the back of the truck. Then we would take a load of that steel and then haul it to the way station. Now, this is the dead of summer. Imagine yourself close to a beach in a greenhouse of human shit, okay? That's pretty much what it feels like. It's a big-ass building, the shittiest ventilation, no pun intended, possible, on a little catwalk surrounded by huge tanks of human shit and whatever the fuck people decide to flush down the toilet. Some pretty gross shit. So what my dad would do would jump in the hole, cut the blades down, cut them into sections, cut a little hole into that section, put a cable on it. I would pull it up to the top and we would grab them and carry them out. Because remember, I'm not qualified to run a torch. Now we had this job for probably a month. I won't bore you with the details on 30 days of working in a shit plant. What I will tell you is probably my least favorite day. So we get to the old shit plant first thing in the morning. I go in, start cleaning up, moving things around. The first piece of steel I go to grab, I bend over, I blow out my pants. Yep. Dominated. Blow them right out. The old hole in the crotch that is slowly making its way to my kneecap. I tell the old man, hey, Dad, I got to steal the truck and head to the house. For what? I got to get some pants. I ripped my fucking pants. I don't give a shit. We ain't got time for you to go home. Get back in there. Okay. So I get back to work. One of my brothers just happens to be working with me that day. And I notice... His chunks of steel coming out of the hole are half the size of mine. He's got a nice small piece of poop blade that he can grab with his hands and hold away from his body and carry out. Mine are twice that size. They're actually so fucking big and heavy that I have to lay them across my head, my shoulder, and part of my back, my entire arm, and quasi-moto my way across this little catwalk. Completely impossible to keep my face and human shit separated. Now, as we're approaching lunchtime, the next tank that we're going to clean up 
has not been completely cleaned. There's probably two feet of human sludge at the bottom of this tank. Now, typically, we don't have to handle that. The actual uh, poop plant, it's a technical term, the poop plant employees would shovel that out for us. They had gone to lunch. My dad had plans of getting this done before lunch. So he says, well, my boy will take care of it. I'm looking around for my brother going, why the hell did he volunteer for this? I don't see my brother. My dad whacks my hard hat. I watch it fall 20 feet down and land in a pile of poop. Get in there, boy. Sweet. I get down there, shoveling shit into big tubs to be hoisted out of the tank. I won't tell you everything that I saw. I am surprised by some of the things you can flush down a toilet. Doll heads, arms, several condoms, plastic gloves, sex toys, whatever. Either way, I shoveled it all. I was fucking covered in shit. And by this time, hole in my crotch has made it just about to my ankle. That does not protect me from splattering, smearing, and any other incidentals. To put it politely, I smell fucking awful. We get this job done. I get the tank cleaned up. We cut the blades out, haul it out. We get to the truck and we decide to head out. My dad decides we should stop for lunch at KFC in the middle of the summer. At the beach. I smell like fucking shit. Not like shit. It's actual shit. Real human shit. If any of you are listening to this and you live in Wells and you took a shit in the summer of 2000, fuck you. Anyways, we get to KFC. I'm in the truck. I don't remember what my order is, but I'm like, yeah, dad, get me a crispy. I'll be right here. Fuck you. We're going in to get it. I'm not ordering for you. Uh, what? Boy, you want to eat? You have to come inside and order. Okay. I go inside, smelling like the Loch Ness sewage monster. As I'm standing in line, trying to keep my balls in my pants, doing the absolute best I can to block out all of the people that are staring at me and talking shit. No pun intended. Everybody staring at me, talking about how bad I smell, how I look, sizing me up and down. My dad's just waiting in line like it ain't no thing but a chicken wing. He don't give a shit. Nothing bothers him. Stoic like an oak. Not an issue. I am fucking crumbling. I remember looking over at some attractive girls. I'm trying not to lock eyes with them as I can make out the disgusted looks. As I can pretty much predict what they're saying about me just by the look on their face. Now we order, I get our food, start to walk out. My dad says, where are you going? Uh, excuse me? I'm going to take my stinky ass to the truck, eat my fucking eight piece, and then I'm going to peace out. Now, we're eating inside. Now, my dad is actually not known to be somebody that likes to hang out inside our restaurants anyways. So clearly, he was trying to do this for a reason. I sat there and finished my meal through all the comments, snickers, looks. It was probably, to that point in my life, very easily the most embarrassing moment I have ever experienced. I felt like the lowest of lows. Even the dirtiest of homeless guy 
would tell me I looked awful. Well, we get in the truck, we head home. That routine of daily lunches at Wells Beach continued for the rest of the week. Fast forward to Friday. We're on our way home. I'm getting paid today. I'm going to do my best not to think about the week I just had. My dad leans over and turns off the radio. And he says, boy, did you have fun this week? I uh, said, dad, I really love you, but this wasn't a lot of fun. My dad looks at me and says, good, you're fired. I said, uh, what? I'm, I'm fired. I fucking, I did everything that you wanted me to do. Like I, I busted my ass this week. I did more shit than I ever thought I wanted to do. You're fired. And he looked over at me and he said, boy, I've been doing this shit my whole life. I do this work so you and your mother don't have to. I never want to see you do this job again. You're fired. Find yourself a job with a fucking air conditioner where you can stay inside. If you want to make your dad proud, never do this shit again. And he told me, this truck I'm driving, you can have it. Find yourself a job. Make something of your life. And the next day, we accidentally threw a piece of steel through the back window of that truck. But lucky for him, it was my truck now. There you go. My dad fired me. First time I'd ever been fired in my life. My dad fired me. Came home, bawled my eyes out, told my mom, Dad just fired me. She said, I know. From that moment on, I have truly tried to make my dad proud every single day of my life. My dad busted my fucking balls, beat me to a pulp, literally had me shuffling human shit, could have pretty much grabbed a handful of shit and smear it all over me, throw loaded diapers at my back, and then make me eat lunch basically in the middle of a mall, okay? That's pretty much how it was. He busted my ass every day. To this day, I have never worked so hard in my life than when I did working for my dad. He beat the living shit out of me. He did it all to prove a point, to teach me a lesson, that you don't need education to make a living, but if you use your head instead of your back, there's easier ways to pay your bills. The lesson my dad taught me, that experience... I will never forget. It is the single most important lesson I have ever learned in my life. It didn't come from a book. didn't come from a professor. It came from my old man. Dad, I can't thank you enough for the values you instilled in me. I could say that I hope I make you proud. But I don't need to say hope. Because I know I make my dad proud. Because he has told me and anybody around me just how he feels many, many times. But if it wasn't for the lessons that I learned from him, I wouldn't be who I am or where I am. So thanks, Dad, for the biggest beating of my fucking life. You ever think you would thank someone for kicking your ass? Huh. Interesting. That wraps up our first ever podcast. Tell me what y'all think. If you enjoy it, subscribe, leave a review. Tell me to go fuck myself. Whatever you choose, I appreciate it. I'm going to leave you with a challenge. I challenge you this week 
When someone comes to you asking for help, looking to have a conversation, looking for your opinion, you'd use those four things we talked about in the beginning of this podcast. Listen, read, react, relate. Tell me how it goes. Please, please try it just once. If you're married, I'm sure at some point in the next week, your wife, your husband, they're going to come to you with a challenge, with a thought or a concern, a decision, a dilemma. When they lay it on you, listen, read, react, relate, and then please share it with me. Leave a comment, send me a message, whatever it is. I'm looking to hear from you. If you had any success, if it failed miserably, whatever it is, I'd love to hear about it. I'd love to talk to you about it. Maybe we can use it on a future podcast. Thanks, everybody. That's it and that's all, Biggie Smalls. If you're a loud, proud American and you find yourself just wanting more, find me on YouTube and Facebook at Loud Proud American or the face page, as my mama calls it. If you're a fan of the Graham Cracker and want to find me on Instagram or all the kids are tickety-talking on the TikTok, you can find me on both of those at Loud underscore Proud underscore American. Big old thank you to the boys from the Gut Truckers for the background beats and the theme song for this year's podcast. If you are enjoying what you're hearing, you can track down the Gut Truckers on Facebook. Just search Gut Truckers. Give them motherfuckers a like too. Thank you for supporting my American dream. Now go wash your fucking hands, you filthy savage.